welcome to episode 59 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. This episode is a matter of life and death as Trevor and I try to raise new creatures, cheat death, and even work for death himself. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. This is a really surprisingly fun week, just with all the different things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of big, like, not even just big, like, by name, but just big titles, like a lot of content there. And so before we get to the really deluxe death-themed new games, Apple's going to have an event. So they sent out invites to members of the press for March 27th, and unlike their usual events, this one's actually going to be in Chicago, and it emphasizes education with a focus on teachers and students. So I imagine there's going to be new products, but they've had these type of education events before. I think that it's not going to be a usual Apple event. It's going to be more like a PR kind of focus on look what we can do for students and teachers. Like they're going to position, I figure, a low-cost iPad and a new Apple Pencil, but in the context of not consumers but of schools. Yeah, it's kind of a weird event. It's because they're making a big deal out of it. So you're going to get a lot of press on it. But then again, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that consumer focused. It's obviously going to be education based. But how do they drive like interest from the consumer as well? And I think it's going to be, like you said, that that cheaper iPad and a new Apple Pencil, maybe even that cheaper MacBook, just to try and get both teachers and parents on the same page and get them using Apple products in the schools and then consequently in their homes as well. Yeah, and so if you're expecting, like I think the big kind of releases are still going to be held till WWDC. And I think just by it being in Chicago means it's going to be less product-based. Because the last time they had this type of education event, it's when they first launched those interactive iBooks. And that we never heard from again. So hopefully (laughs) they have something that is going to last, or at least remain in kind of our collective consciousness. Right. Well, if you look at that little invite, kind of, you can see it definitely looks like it's drawn from like an Apple pencil. So it's like this scripty drawn picture of, of an Apple. And so I think there is going to be some hardware, but it's really, you're going to, we're going to have to wait until June and WWDC for the real big, like iOS 11 stuff, all of the, the stuff that we really want to find out. Yeah. iOS 12. Oh, iOS 12. You're right. Yeah, we're fast-forwarding through all these different iOSs. And I don't even think there's going to be like a new 12.9-inch or 10.5-inch iPad. I think they're going to focus on that last low-cost model, though they could have minor kind of like spec bumps. But I feel like there's this piece of hardware or piece of software that's been under wraps that they're going to unveil, and I can't imagine what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be something that's, I mean, I, it's got to be educated. There's going to be some feature education related that they're going to come out with. I don't know what that's going to be. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would be like the key thing that's missing for education. I don't work in education, so I don't know what teachers are complaining about. Yeah, because even if it's like multi-user account support, that's more iOS 12 you could have like a blackboard alternative where everything is, you know, all your 
papers and every, all due dates are aggregated together. But the last time they did that, they worked with textbook companies and that failed. So maybe they do their own thing outside of textbook companies or they have a sequel to iBooks that does more school friendly where they're not just standalone textbooks, but integrated into the course plan or something to make it worth an event and not just because they could have made this a PR announcement if it's just a new Apple Pencil and a low cost iPad. Right. Yeah. There's got to be something bigger here that we just don't know about that warrant them going through all this trouble of having this major event, having it broadcast, having media there to cover it. There's something that's going to happen at this thing. I just don't know what it's going to be. Yep. So mark your calendar, March 27th. We'll talk about all that comes once we get to that. And really, apps are a tougher kind of sell. Games, there's going to be new ones every week. But if you check the app store, the games tab's updated all the time. But the apps tab, it seems like they're bringing apps back from like six months or a year ago with an update or maybe they didn't feature them originally. It's not like the, oh, here's a new calendar app and a new weather app and all the kinds of usual email apps and stuff. It's tough to make those especially stand out in such a crowded place because it's not as distinctive as like game genres where you might have a platformer, but you'll want another one. Once you're kind of set with a particular app, you're not looking for alternatives. And so that means our app section's a little bit tougher to fill in. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have to relearn a whole new app, relearn, change all of your workflow based unless there's something really compelling there. And I think that's probably why Apple hasn't been really featuring a lot of new stuff, because there isn't something new and compelling that's worthwhile. So they go back to something that maybe didn't get a feature before. And now it's been updated to add some nice new features or something people really wanted. And maybe now it's worthwhile talking about it. But we may have already jumped on that bandwagon and already talked about this app or used this app. And so it's really not worth mentioning just because there's not a lot there. If it were something brand new and crazy, then I'm sure Apple would be featuring it and we would be talking about it as well. Right. And I mean, the only kind of trending thing right now is the NCAA tournament. But the first two weeks where all the different games are happening that's passed so now the app there's only one game at a time rather than multiple games so the app comes in more handy so but if you do want it nca march madness live lets you watch everything though you need to have specific you know plans or subscriptions already set up to be able to get full access okay well that's good to know and then that's time for some games and the first game this week lets you play as the grim reaper's assistant in a final uh, Final Destination themed type of experience where you get all these specific settings and your goal is to kill everyone but you can't directly impact any person instead you trigger elements in the environment so say for instance there's people in the pool and there's power lines up ahead you trigger the power lines they fall into the pool and it shocks everybody and you rack up those kills and every level has a certain number of people to kill all in different fashion in different ways and then there's three kind of target kills that you want to focus on and each one also has a story so you start out in a regular kind of cityscape but then as you go you'll have ones where it's like a north korean themed nuclear underground facility or it's this whole snowscape or it's this indiana jones themed kind of island tropical idea and each one 
has all these intricate little pieces going on where you can focus on this one section over here and kill a few people and it doesn't impact the people on the other side of the island or the other side of the city and you need to just figure out and try to find every single possible thing you can interact with to then trigger potential deaths of all the different people. Right, yeah, it's this whole puzzly aspect to the game where you can trigger things and maybe there's one person around and you're going to kill one person, but you really want you have a lot of people to kill. So you got to use these things efficiently. So you might have to wait or get the perfect combination of maybe two traps in a row where maybe you trigger the phone so now people come in and listen go to grab the phone and then when they're walking in you slam them all with some big bookshelf or something. So you got to use like a combination of things. The the aspect of the game that really kind of first attracted me to it is the whole look really reminded me of like an an Ivanovich games. They're the guys that did like where's my pick where's my geek and time geeks and it's like that whole pixel art where it's just really spread out like a really large populated scene and you're trying to find certain elements of it where this one you're looking for those three main targets you have but then you're also scanning around just trying to find where all the various things that you could trigger to cause death are the other thing it kind of reminded me of is party card tiny builds game where you're just you're that serial killer going around trying to kill as many people as you can. And because in this, there are angels that come out that are cops and you can't be tapping in the area where they're kind of scanning. Otherwise you do that three times and you lose and you have to start all the way over. So I don't know. It's just this weird, like you're doing something really evil, but yet it's kind of fun to get into that weird mindset of where can I go and trigger things to take out large groups of people all at the same time. Yeah, so they did a really interesting mashup idea, because like you said, it's that where's my geek kind of pixelated art style with all kinds of little intricacies in the environment. It's even like hidden things where, you know, it's more of a hidden object adventure game where you try to file all these different things, there's little animated pieces, but then there's kind of that cartoon violence of Party Hard Go or Slayway Camp where... You're killing people, but they do it in a cartoon, funny, friendly way. So it's not like you know, this malicious kind of like shooter experience, especially because though it takes those elements. But Party Hard Go, you know, you're directly kind of killing people. You use places in the environment to stash bodies and stuff, but you're killing people. <laughs> this one, it's removed from it. So like I said, it's that final destination idea where you're just kind of trigger things in the environment and then watch it happen. And part of the enjoyment is really watching everything unfold. Like you create this chemical gas and it goes and triggers everything. Or you make this machine kind of malfunction and it smacks and creates a fire. And all these different little pieces go together to create the whole. And each of the scenes are so detailed and intricate. The only kind of drawback is that there's six main acts in the game. And once you play through it, that's the entirety of the game. There's a bonus seventh act, but the core game is six scenes, and it just leaves you wanting more. It takes a while to play through those six scenes, especially if you go for gold and try to kill every single person in the scene. But it's not a drawback. It's just you want more of this game because they've done such a great job, and there's so many little pieces to enjoy. Right. It is. It's it's limited where there are those six scenes, but like you said if you do try to go for gold you're gonna have to find the most optimal 
order to use these things. And sometimes you'll get surprised by what the thing you triggered actually did. Like you think you know what's going to happen, but then something completely unexpected happens and you're like, oh, maybe I should have used that thing first and then triggered this because I didn't realize that was going to do that. So you will have like a desire to go back and redo portions of it, especially if you end up blowing through a whole bunch of the traps and you kind of get yourself in a stuck position where you can't get to the count of people that you need to even hit that first, the first star. So there'll be times where you have to go back and replay the level. Other times you'll just want to go back and replay the level. And yeah, you definitely are left with this feeling of, I wish there was even more to this game because I'm having so much fun with it. And it's so creative and interesting, especially just because there is so much going on that you can't possibly see everything all at once and you're panning around trying to find other areas that maybe you didn't touch or maybe you didn't even realize there was another trap over in this spot and so it's just a lot to take in even though there is that limitation of how many levels there's still a lot of gameplay yeah and really if you like puzzle games regardless of the theme it comes down to that proper order of operations to figure out the maximum number of people you can kill in what because you have a limited number of use cases for everything in the environment so you need to kill as many people as possible with each item that you have because once you use it you're not going to be able to use it again or there's only select things that you can use multiple times so you have to balance that as best you can and it's a continuous balancing act to the point where you'll play and you'll figure something out after the fact and you might want to restart it's like okay now i can do this before that it gets more people over into the vicinity of major damage and then you go and trigger it a different way and then the game also features kind of these big kind of story ideas where you can change the weather you can do things in a certain order and it triggers these big overarching events that are just fun to witness they don't even necessarily go into killing people it's like there's this guy trying to rob everything so you have to do it in a specific order but then if you don't he won't actually rob it it doesn't you know injure your score you'll miss out on like one kill but it doesn't unlock the big final kind of unveiling animation of the entire scene yeah, I was trying to chase down that robber <laughs> and try and get him. I was hoping he would show up in one spot and I could just take him out. But yeah, it's it's just a really... I, I, I don't know, it's weird to say a cute game when you're talking about killing and death. But even death looks kind of cute in this. And he's kind of like... Tie. Yeah, <laughs> and when he work. hangs out. Yeah. When he hangs out over on the side of your screen, when once you reach a certain point and you can move on if you want to, death kind of just hangs out on the side of the screen, peeks in from the side every once in a while so you know he's there and you can leave if you want to or you can continue playing. I, I don't know. It's just a really well done game. Yep. So that's Death Coming. It's $1.99. It's universal. And this is one of my favorite games in a while, which I don't know if that says more about me or the game. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is Fortnite which is super popular on every platform that it's come to, and now it's come to iOS, specifically the Battle Royale mode, and it's in an invite-only stage. So you need to know somebody or you need to sign up on the website and wait your turn as they've fully fleshed out and handle the server capacity. But it hopefully doesn't take that long. You can sign up today on Fortnite's website. You follow the mobile link. And if you've never played the game, 
It's a third-person online multiplayer shooter. The Battle Royale mode specifically has 100 players, and the last person standing wins. And the game kind of distinguishes itself by having this whole resourcing and crafting mechanic where everything or every structure in the environment you can deconstruct into its core parts so you can get wood or bricks or steel and then you can reuse it to rebuild and create walls and stairs and various things to create a fortification and then to kind of bring the action to a front what they do is that there's an entire storm and the eye of the storm gets smaller and smaller so it's a big huge map when you get at the beginning and then every three minutes it shrinks down so if you don't get to the eye of the storm you're going to die so it pushes everyone closer and closer together so that means you can start out the game kind of building up resources and then as you get closer and closer you want to find a fortification that's going to last and then kill anyone you find along the way yeah the game i guess was inspired by uh, a japanese film that came out in the 2000 in 2000 called battle royale i've seen the movie before and that was basically about like this the japanese government sent like this group of ninth graders out and forced them to kill each other and then so you can guess it kind of takes inspiration from hunger games as well and like you said where that storm is kind of drawing everyone to a central location you're forced to fight so when you first land you might have nothing you it depends on how much you've leveled up your character where starting items you may only have the axe to deconstruct things and so you have to as you parachute in try to land on a building or something hopefully not in a super crowded area where you could start searching around scrounging for weapons you can scrounge for ammo other like armor and other things to really like equip yourself so as you kind of keep moving towards everyone else maybe some people already got picked off but hopefully you'll have a strong enough arsenal of things to keep you alive and you can pick up stuff that other people drop when you kill them but you're just constantly trying to work your way towards that center you do not want to get caught up in that storm so as soon as you see that storm shrinking you need to start making your way towards that center area because you only have a limited amount of time to run inside that storm before you're going to get killed so you're constantly have to be on the move but at the same time planning things out as best you can and hopefully be the last man standing. And that's definitely a challenge. I think the best I've done is I finished 10th person left and that was just pure luck of being in the right kind of center of the storm as it condensed down so I didn't have to move that much and I could keep building up my fortification. But really, as you start out, if you've ever played Fortnite before, you can kind of transfer in your profile, but if you're brand new to the game... You are going to start from scratch, like Brett said, and that means it comes down to resource management and aggregation. And really, I wish they had a mode where you could play where everyone starts from scratch. No one's bringing anything in, so that way everyone has that same kind of incentive to go out and grab stuff rather than go out, find the best fortification, hold a gun, and just get ready to shoot anyone who comes by. So... It would be nice for an alternate mode, but I understand they need to make money. They're bringing it to iOS to have a whole new kind of platform, but that would just be my kind of change. Well, plus, yeah, I, I wish they would do that, too, because there are a lot of people that come in already with guns. Granted, there's a lot of stuff out there already for you to pick up, which you can get fairly quickly. Usually, if I die, it's 
I die right away because I land near someone who already had a gun and I don't have anything. Or I get myself caught in the storm stupidly and get killed. But the part of the issue, I think, is that they allow people to play cross-platform. So you're playing against people on the Xbox. You're playing you know, people on PC, Mac, PlayStation. Everyone can be on the same servers. And it runs super smoothly like i have had no performance issues until just before we started recording this and i think it's because i just opened player unknowns battlegrounds on the same device which is a very similar game but it both of them use heavy amount of resources so once i closed off the other apps that were there uh then my my performance came right back up i just have the 9.7 inch uh ipad pro is what i was playing on so I was amazed at how smoothly this runs, how easily the controls work, especially if you're playing against people on like a console or with a keyboard and mouse. I seem to have enough control and I felt I never felt like I was working against the game or that the controls hurt me at all using the touch controls. Yeah, I felt the same way and that's all you can really ask for. It's not like I was hampered because of touch. It's easy enough. You move with the left joystick and then you tap on the right side of the screen to fire, and then you have various buttons to change your weapons or switch to the build mode. And as long as that gets out of the way, people already like Fortnite. That's not going to change. The full Fortnite Battle Royale mode's included. The entire Fortnite game is not available on iOS. This is just the Battle Royale mode. But if that's the mode you like, you can now play it on your iOS device without really any limitations or hesitations as long as you can handle the touch controls which don't get in the way and you can play for free. You know, there's all kinds of ways to spend money. You can even buy weekly passes to get specific upgrades, but you can fully enjoy the game for free and it's not a total impediment to your success. Though, I imagine as more people play on iOS, you know, as those invites roll out, there I could see how you might be at more of a disadvantage. It seems like in these early few days, they're focusing on iOS-specific players to build them together, so you're all kind of starting in the same boat. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that there's going to be a point where, unless they do some kind of matching, you're going to end up with players that have far better gear than you, and you're going to get trounced pretty quickly. Right uh, Right now, they, I, I do like the fact on the, the virtual controls, they added a little button over on the side as well. On the same side that you would normally move your guy with, you end up having a weapon button over there as well. So that way, if you're on the right side, kind of adjusting your where you're looking and your aiming rectal, that you can uh, hit that button over on the side that fires as well that way you're not kind of releasing your finger and trying to tap the screen to fire over on the right side and i think mfi controller it's not supported right now i think they are bringing that which would make it even better because then if you're someone who just has played this on one of the other platforms and really likes the controller but wants uh, a mobile version of it then you'll be able to hook up an mfi controller and have that same feel that you're used to and if you don't like the invite system, keep in mind that, as Brett said, the servers are working really well at the moment. It is without stutter or hesitation, so I think it's for the greater good, even if you do have to end up waiting a while. 
Yeah, it let them get the bugs scraped out, and I, it was quick for me to get in. I didn't have any kind of like press contact that got me in quicker. I did the same way everyone else did, and I got in fairly quickly. And I've sent some invites to other people, uh, and they got in right away with my invites. But uh, it's they seem to be really kind of adding people as quickly as they can because this thing is taking off like crazy. Yep. So that's Fortnite. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Armello, which is a brand new digital board game that's made specifically digital. It's not a port from an existing physical game. And that allows them quite a bit of creativity. And so in this game, it's has quite a few little pieces that's reminiscent of from other games. But the core idea is that you're playing the king is has like a disease and he's going to die. So you are then fighting against the other players to become the new king or queen of Armello. And to do so, you need to have all kinds of abilities and kind of cognizant of all the different pieces of the game. This is one of the most deluxe and intricate games I've come across where the intro kind of tutorial prologue takes a good half hour to an hour to get through to fully understand all the features of this game. So we don't want to kind of go into how the games play. That's what kind of the description's for. It's more how have they done in creating the game? Is it enjoyable? And I have to say, even though it's so intricate and all there's different pieces going on, it's still manageable. You can get into it, and then it lets you kind of just appreciate that you're playing on the map so it's kind of like cat quest where you're playing on the map it has this whole kind of fantasy rpg theme and visual design to it so it's really beautifully laid out and then it has that kind of intricate world come to life of a board game like anti-hero or something like that so it has all those kind of pieces coming together and then you can just focus on trying to move across the board to complete little quests, battle other opponents along the way, take ownership of different settlements. And then when you are doing the battle, it's this whole dice system. And then that's going to allow you to unlock different cards and abilities that you can equip. And that's going to give you more cards to do better in battle. And as you guys know, Brett's way more adept at digital <laughs> board games than me. So I'll let him fill in all the gaps. Yeah, so I really like this is one that I've been waiting for for a while. It came out already on Steam a while back. It was kickstarted and it came out on Steam and finally it came to mobile this week. And the thing I really like about it is a few aspects of it in particular. First of all, it, it is a free to play game. And so you can just hop right in and start playing with any of the four characters, the main characters. And those four characters each have their own kind of pros and cons. They have their own stats. So you can kind of choose whichever one kind of fits your best play style. The one aspect of the game that I really like is there's four different ways to win. So you're not tied to one strategy. There's no winning strategy. You can either do it by killing the king, going in, which is, can be tough because he's strong, or you can do what they have these things called prestige points, which you earn. And you can do that just by being the person with the most prestige, either when the king is killed or at the end of the game when the king dies. If no one kills the king and he eventually dies from this rot disease that he has, you can win that way. There's two other ways. One is called the spirit stone victory, where you're collecting these little spirit stones. And the last one is you actually 
try to get yourself infected with this rot and you try to get a higher rot level than the king has and do battle with the king and beat him. The easiest way to win is that prestige victory because obviously if the king dies, even if you don't kill him you, and you have the highest prestige, you can win. But there's other ways to try to battle and win. And the other aspect that I really like about the game is Yes, it's a dice game. So inherently, there's a luck mechanic there because you're rolling dice. So your randomness and luck, there are there's a great way that they let you kind of mitigate the luck of the dice. And that's with those cards that you have. All of them have these little symbols on them. And those symbols on the cards match one of the die sides on your dice. And so you can burn a card. So basically discard it and then you won't be able to use it later but you basically lock one of your dice into that side. So now you can guarantee that you'll have like a shield in battle, you guarantee that you have a sword in battle, or you can, uh, you, they have these other things called perils, which are what you have to kind of match a certain combination of dice in order to pass the peril. And so you can lock in certain sides of the dice to kind of make sure you're gonna pass this peril when you roll your dice. So there's all kinds of ways you can mitigate the dice. You can add dice with cards. You can do all in some of the characters even can affect the dice. You have these other rings you can wear when you, when you go in to a game, you kind of equip your character with a ring or one of these little like token tokens. And those kind of give you extra abilities and those you unlock through, uh, through the current in-game currency, you purchase those and then you can equip them to your various characters. But there is a lot going on with this game. And even I am still like confused by parts of it, but that prologue, yes, it's long. It's like an hour long, but it takes you through every little bit of the game and teaches you all the basics. And it's a lot to take in right from the start. But then as you start to play, it starts to make more and more sense and you start to kind of have these emergent strategies as you go through and you learn more about maybe what this character can do or maybe the effects of this particular card. And so there's a lot to kind of learn as you play. And the game features online multiplayer, but there's also just a single player mode where you can dive in. There's a fast forward through the other player's turns and if you kind of like to learn on the fly just by learn by failing and stuff, that can help you skip past the prologue and just get immersed in all that the game has to offer. But really, if you like any kind of deluxe, fancy RPG action, you're going to be right at home. If you like those immersive board games, you're going to be right at home. If you like that settlement, grid-style board game progression, you're going to be right at home. So they've really covered a bunch of different styles, merged it all together in a really beautifully designed package to give you a whole lot to play and do to the point where you play the game, you get crushed, you go through the whole prologue, you get ideas of every single thing, you go back into the game, you get crushed again, and there's still <laughs> a whole bunch to discover and different layers of strategy to this game. Yeah, yeah. I, the only complaints I have is the UI, on at least on iOS, I haven't played on Steam, uh, needs a little bit of tweaking just because like when you pan out, everything kind of goes gray and you can't really see what's going on. They're, they shouldn't be hiding any information. It's all open information. So I don't know why it's doing that. I'm hoping that's just like a, something they got to fix. And then uh, like a couple of times when I was trying to pan on the screen to kind of find the other characters where they were to play a card on them, 
uh, I did accidentally move to a tile and it wasn't necessarily the tile I wanted. In fact, a few times it was the exact tile I didn't want to move to. Uh, but uh, there was no way to undo that movement. And so I, I'm hoping like they can either fix it so that like, they kind of make sure that you want to move what you want to do or you want to play the card that you want to like that, just that little confirmation type thing. But other than that, like this is a really rich, rich game. You can, it is free to play. You get four characters for free. You can buy extra of the more expensive in-game currency and then spend that to purchase other characters, purchase new skins, new dice skins, uh, other, uh, elements as well like the rings and the and the other little tokens you have otherwise you could and anything you purchase that way you own so you you'll always own that you log in with the same account you always have that otherwise you can pay like a monthly three month or 12 month subscription and those give you all that stuff kind of unlocked for you but if you ever decide to no longer subscribe you no longer have that content so it's only if you outright purchase that content that you keep it. Otherwise, it's kind of only there while you're paying for a subscription. Right. And so that's our mellow. It's free. It's universal. You can find out for yourself if this is the type of game for you. But if you like games like Takedo or Antihero or Carcassonne or Cat Quest or different genres, this game has quite a wide appeal. Yep. And then there's My Tamagotchi Forever. And if you ever played with those little actual Tamagotchis, that little egg-shaped digital toy from like 20 years ago. It's now come to iOS. It's been on iOS before, but this is like a reimagining, just not just like a shoehorning of the past. And with that, they've made it to be a whole kind of 3D world. So now, you know, the game is well known for being that little kind of bit-based character so now they've gone and made these really ornate characters uh, so when your tamagotchi evolves as you care for it it goes to different stages and evolution stages that are fully depicted in 3d and so the game has the classic virtual pet style you need to feed it you need to clean up after it when it goes to the bathroom you need to play with it pet it and then put it to sleep and that cycle is going to help kind of evolve the Tamagotchi right before your your eyes. And really the main distinction is that they've just set it up in such a way where there's all kinds of little things to do. So there's these little mini games, for instance, where it might be a planet jumper or a match three, and that's going to help kind of make your Tamagotchi happy. Or there's little items in... You can go outside the house and you can have your Tamagotchi jump on the trampoline or play with the jungle gym set or play on the little soccer field. And then you can take pictures and there's also an augmented reality mode so you can jump in and see your other kind of friends or other creations. And that's pretty much the classic game just tried to kind of be flourished in every way they could think of. Right. Yeah. So I was like 22 when these things came out in the U.S. I was never into this. Like I, I, I was graduating college at the time. I didn't have time to raise a little creature on a on a little egg. 
But the upgrades they've done to this for this new app, like I said, this has been out before. They even uh, Namco Bandai released like a classic Tamagotchi app where it was kind of the same, kind of recreating that old thing that everyone was familiar with, but in color. And and there was like a third party one called Hatchy that came out, which was pretty much the Tamagotchi egg, just another company releasing it on an app form. But they made the character look way cuter now. It's like a, a kind of character you really kind of want to look at. The the games, the augmented reality stuff is kind of neat, especially like there's a little hide-and-seek one. So you put kind of like this board out onto your virtual space, and then you kind of pan around and walk around and try to find the the friends who are hiding along the thing. So you got to kind of search around it and find them and tap them. And so is they're using modern technology to kind of really update this thing that was super popular in the 90s whether or not it will catch on again i don't know i i know i don't have the patience for it. 20 years has not increased my patience but actually lessened the amount of patience i have for something like this but i could see where kids would probably really get into this and people that have this nostalgia for the original will really get into it the thing i have a problem with is the other one, you bought that thing, and it was time. You waited time, and you had to keep on going back to it, but you didn't have these microtransactions and in-app purchases or watching videos to earn currency, where that's what hampers this now because it is just loaded with that kind of stuff because that's where the these type of things go nowadays. Like they make money by having microtransactions and all of these little things. So you do have to put up with all of that while you're doing taking care of your little character and watching him evolve and all that. Just expect that you're going to be hit up for microtransactions or having to watch videos if you don't want to do them. Yeah, my only real problem was that the original Tamagotchi, I was 10 when it came out, so it had that simplistic appeal of kind of quick action, take care of it, you can do things really in an instant. This time you're loading the game, so that's already a longer delay. And then since there's so many visual flourishes, it takes a while to just throw some food out. Like, you know, with the little handheld thing, you press one button and you feed. This one, you have to go into the menu, you pick what kind of food you want, then it goes on the table, then you have to drag it up to his face. And the the appeal of this game is... Quick interaction, quick in, quick out. I'm taking care of my Tamagotchi. This one, I know it takes so long. I turned off the notifications. And when you turn off the notifications, there's no real point. Because the thing, you're just, you know, he's going to poop everywhere. He's going to die of hunger. He's never going to go to bed. (laughs) So there's a disconnect versus the idea of a virtual pet and all the flourishes they put into this game. Right. Well, I think it was also such a novelty back when it originally came out. It was that separate little thing. It was like a little egg. It was something new and different where we like people are on their phones all the time. It it doesn't feel special to have you pulling out your phone to go and feed this thing. You're going to be pulling out your phone anyways, where that felt like more like an experience and a separate individual little device that was that pet where this is like your phone. I, I don't know. It There is that big disconnect here where it's not as special or unique now as it was back 20 years ago. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And the in-app purchases don't help matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you said. And so with that, 
it's neat that they tried to redo the entire idea of Tamagotchi, but I don't know if the final execution is going to be super appealing. Yeah, I think it's going to be a subset of people. I think mostly kids. I think people that are nostalgic for it might go and look at it, but I don't think they're going to stick around. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know who they're going to address with this. It's interesting because on the one hand, it's made for having a short attention span where you're bored with something, you'll quickly look at your Tamagotchi and then you'll leave. But on the other hand, you know, it's designed for kids because they have a shorter attention span, but then you need to have patience and a longer attention span to even get through all the menus and do all the things you need to do to really get through the evolution process, especially if you're going to choose to grind over the in-app purchase speed. Yeah. And so that's my Tamagotchi Forever. It's free. It's universal. And just wanted to let everyone know that there was a ton of quick free games this week, like Run Venture and Moe Lawn and Spills, and they're not worth mentioning beyond that. Yeah, it's a, there seems to be a lot of the stuff that comes out that, I mean, some of them have interesting ideas, but they're just not that memorable. I, I, I go in and I play for a tiny bit, and some of them I'm like, I go back on them advice to kind of go through the rest of them, because usually I just download a whole bunch of these at the start of, like when, on Thursday when they come out, and then sometimes I can't even remember which ones I already played. I load it up, I'm like, oh yeah, I did play that one. Delete. And, oh yeah, I <laughs> did play that one. Delete. And so, I mean, I just wish there was more stuff that was memorable and interesting where it just seems like a lot of these are samey or just not a lot of there. And it's more that kind of like stereotypical iOS app or mobile game app that people complain that there's nothing really there. There's no, no, and there are some of those there and they seem to come out every week. And then it's our job to kind of sift through and find the good stuff that's going to last on your device, hopefully, and give you more gameplay than just like going in and playing it once and feeling like you've experienced all it has to experience. Yep. And so just wanted to mention that in case you were wondering. It's, there's that shovelware stuff and we try to find the good stuff. And so that's, I think, everything for episode 59. Yep, that's all I got. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.